Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. <laughs> oh. That's funny, huh? Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we own the Lovett Company. We do so much together, and we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. That's right, a relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we wanted to share with you how we managed to run our business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we will talk about navigating the gray in life. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast coming to you live from the house tonight to do another episode. And I'm going to do the whole episode without opening my mouth. That is the strangest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Maybe I can get one of those little things to set the dolls in their hands and say, hey, how are you doing today? Like a ventriloquist? Yeah. How are you doing today? I don't know, but it's really weird. Is anything else? Yeah, your lips are moving. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. (laughs) Yes, they are. Okay, so now that we know that you are not a ventriloquist. Yes, I am. (laughs) I don't think you are. Yes, I am. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast. Coming to you live. Oh, from the house. From the house. Yes. All right. I'm done with the with the Tranviloquist stations. The... <laughs> Tranviloquist. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. I did. I was trying. I Is that like a it. ventriloquist from Transylvania? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. You're so crazy. So we are back tonight, today, whenever you're listening. I just know when we're recording it. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? Um, so today we're going to deal. We're, we're going to deal. We're going to we're gonna deal. I like that. We are going to deal with some things. We're going to deal with some stuff. We're going to deal with some stuff. We're going to talk about dealing with heavy workloads. Heavy workload, heavy workload. Yeah. So um, April did the notes. So I'm, I did do I'm looking over them. And, and I guess to kind of start us off, when you say sure. heavy, mm-hmm. I guess before we jump into like, how are we defining heavy? And then when you say workload, are we talking about workload like in the place of employment? Are we talking about like just overall workload that can transition between work and home? Or if you don't actually work Mm. workload at home? I don't know. I just wanted to define that for everybody because I know and I I saw it in the notes that workload. Yeah. And I was like, and what made me think of this is because this morning um, in our small group, I said something to someone about work and they was like, oh, no, I don't work. Oh. And I was just like, oh. Oh, right. So. That's a really good person. So today 
we're going to be talking more so towards people who like we have strategies for in the workplace in the workplace yeah yeah like in a organizational setting um but i think you bring up a really good point and this is like we're actually a couple colleagues of mine and i are doing um research about workload at work and at home and in your life and how it all kind of comes together yeah. So. What, what if you get the deep people, though, that say, even though I don't like work for someone or anything like the stuff that I do at home is considered work, you know, like people yes. who are stay at home moms. I or, would totally agree with them. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So how do know. we measure that? I, I just know that we have a lot of different listeners. We do. Um, yeah. So I just want to make sure we clarified it and kind of. Yeah, I do. I, I think that's really smart. Okay, I think you, good. we do, we definitely want to clarify this one as, especially with the strategies that we got primary, like all the research we got was from Pew research center. Okay. The strategies we got were, were from Harvard business review. Okay. So yeah, I think yeah. we're probably speaking primarily to those people who at least have some foot in an organization, whether that's full-time or part-time, um, somewhere and so i yeah like you said i definitely don't want to discredit stay-at-home parents or um because i think that is that is a job (laughs) i have to run through my head right now if that's something that i could do because i think that workload would be never ending yeah but i don't think that any of our strategies (laughs) what we're going to talk about would work okay all right unless maybe you're unless you're talking with a partner about it and then we've done an episode on how to talk about splitting up household chores and life activities um, with your partner and how that looks so you can go back and listen to that one we'll link it below okay yeah that makes sense i just want to clarify that um, before we jumped in so that everybody know where we're coming from um very smart and how they can apply this see bringing the brains I guess that's what you want. I'll bring the bra and you bring that's the brains. What, all right. Okay. Ooh. Talk about a switch. Switcheroo. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> you didn't have to agree with it. You could have just been like, oh, he's okay. That's all right. Oh, you but so you like, you like, no, don't try to switch it up now. <laughs> what you saying? I ain't got no brain. No, you're very beautiful brained. That doesn't make sense. So Come really, on. maybe I am the brawn. Okay. What? Okay. All right. So we don't talk about this off air. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, we really are going to talk about this off air. But right now we talk about heavy workloads. Yes. Let's talk about heavy workloads. All right. Well, go ahead and jump in and give it to the people because I see you got some um, research and and stuff here. This is what happens when you let me do the notes. It's all good. So the Pew Research Center reported in 2010 They said that all of these things, what I'm about to say, are compared to 20 years ago. So at this point, it would be 30 years ago because we're 2020. So in 2010, employees were saying that compared to 20 years prior, 69% had more on the job stress. 62% felt like they had less job security. And 59% felt like they had to work harder to earn a decent living. I yeah, I definitely can see this as being thirty years ago because I believe those percentages are higher. They have to be higher. If they did a um, uh, survey now. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know, but I'm I believe that these percentages will be much higher, much higher than what they are shown or reflected. So I can definitely see the thirty year difference in from now to when this was. Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, I was um, reading over an article, a Harvard Business Review article, which I'll also link um, in the show notes. And the article was saying that um, C-suite executives are say, so like CEOs usually right. are saying that the number one issue they're hearing from employees is that there's too much work to do and not enough time in the day to do it. Wow. I mean, that says a lot, especially coming from the C-suite. Mm-hmm. Like you're the ones who can kind of manage that. Right. And they're the ones who are saying it. Yeah. Maybe you can manage it. Yeah, I guess maybe you can. I'm just having like I typed all of these notes and I'm having all of these like brand new ideas pop into my head. Yeah. Like we're saying this and people are saying this, but let's face reality too. And that a lot of people have a lot more distractions at work. Like yeah. 30 years ago, Facebook was a thing. Let's be real. No, Instagrams um, at work. I don't even know if majority of the people even had like their own independent computers or laptops nowadays tablets oh yeah some organizations provide cell phones oh yeah so yeah 30 years ago i can definitely see where there was probably less distraction yeah for um, sure than now yeah definitely so one of the things and I kind of brainstorm these on my own they're not from a but we know this from looking at resiliency and stuff within even the students in our organization and just looking at you know employers and employees and some of the work that you and I do and so really if you feel like your workload is too heavy it can cause the following things it can cause a a lack of confidence that you can complete projects right at work yeah. or that you have the skill set to complete them at work if you can't if you can't get them done right um maybe fear that you will fail in your job role that's a good one i feel like that one i mean i know we're not ranking these but i feel like that one is a big one yeah definitely a big one um it can make you feel disdain for your colleagues or your employer ooh i know we're not ranking these <laughs> but ooh, that can be a big one <laughs> you're so crazy <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. If you're like, I have way too much work. I don't get paid enough for all the work that I have. Right. I don't have enough time to finish it. I feel like I'm failing in my job. You're probably not going to like your employer that much. Yep. And you're probably going to take it out on your colleagues. Right? Probably so. Yeah. Um, and it can cause just an overall feeling of like dissatisfaction with life and just a lack of happiness. Yeah. You know? So when you were reading through those and we're talking about heavy workload, it, it a question popped into my mind. Mm-hmm. How are we defining heavy, or who defines heavy, That's or what is really heavy defined good, as? I don't, okay, so I didn't actually get a definition. No, but if you I were mean to not even definition. Me, yeah, if if I were to ask you, like, what would you define a heavy? I did air quotes. A heavy yeah, workload. Air, air quotes. Yeah. So to me, in my world, a heavy workload would be. A workload that just dominated every second of my day. Um, And not that I, so I should preface this with saying that, you know, a lot of times we use our work and organization as an example, but the thing is we're very privileged to work where we work and to work in the positions that we work in. And I think that um, part of that privilege comes the fact that a lot of like the um, administrative leadership level of mm-hmm. where we work, understand that a holistic, balanced 
of being an employee and dealing with like being a human is necessary. And so by that, I mean, like, it's not a problem for me if I, you know, work on spreadsheets for two hours and then I'm like, okay, my eyes are crossing. Let me go get up and take a 15 minute walk, you know? And so, and that's encouraged in our workplace. Um, And I know not everybody is that blessed. And so I kind of hesitate to say that. But so for me, having a really heavy workload would be a lot of projects that require a lot of, um, of, of brain power. Um, Uh and, not enough time to get them done in and in a matter that I feel like I need to get them done in. Okay. Yeah. What about for you? What would be heavy workload for you? Heavy workload for me, I guess it varies because of um, what I do and like what I oversee and what I, you know, provide leadership over isn't eight to five. Mm-hmm. So it's different for me when you say heavy workload. Yeah. I feel like anytime anything that I'm working on that can impact the people that I'm working on it for outside of those traditional eight to five hours. So, for instance, if I'm working on, you know, my normal responsibilities and duties of making sure that everything operationally is um, up to expectation. And then if something else happens to where that's kind of extended. Yeah. um, Then that would put me in a position to where I feel like the workload is getting heavy. Like right now, I yeah. feel like I have a, have a heavy workload because right. of some of the things that are going on. Right. And some of the things that I have to be aware of and the fact that, um, you know, I have to be, you know, yeah. in communication and I have to be available to be in communication with people about certain things that are going on. Yeah. Um, so right now it is a little bit heavy because um, we're taking a lot of precautionaries with certain things that are happening right now. Yeah. Um. So right now my workload is heavy, but um, I think it can vary for me. Yeah. And I do take that into consideration when, you, when you're talking about heavy workloads to where if it overlaps because the things, like I said, I oversee yeah. aren't from 8 to 5. Like I have leadership over things that are from like 6 a.m. all the way until 11. Yeah. <laughs> you know no, I like. think that's true. And I think um, I'm going to use a term that will be very understandable if anybody else works in the educational system, but I think can also translate to other organizations. And that is the difference between our, our two jobs. They're both administrative level. Right. Um, but yours is essential, sometimes student facing Mm -hmm. and mine is non-essential, um, personnel, not student facing at all. And so I think that that creates a very big difference because if you are an essential personnel, that means that, like you said, you're on call all the time. You don't get to shut your brain off. I don't get to shut it down. I'm non-essential, non-student facing. That means that I'm usually in the eight to five. I typically can shut my brain off like with just a few outliers every once in a while. But for the most part, I don't have to think like that all the time or be on call or be like ready to respond. So my brain does get to shut down. Yeah. And, and, to be honest and to to also be transparent, um, I have a great team that gives mm-hmm. me the ability to um, kind of shut down or, or turn off some of those times. But I'm also aware that like if I do get that phone call or that text from those people that I have in my emergency text line, like I have to be ready to respond. Yeah. So I do get to shut it down sometimes in transparency and I do get to, um, you know, not think about certain things or turn it off because I do have a, a amazing team 
that helps me. Um, but in the instance that they do need to reach out, I know that if I get that text that comes through, if I get that call, I have to be you ready. To respond, yeah. Yep, I have to be ready. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so I want to I want to jump into some strategies on how to resolve this. If you just feel like your workload is heavy, okay. and I feel like a lot of people feel this way. Yeah. Definitely. Heavy workload. I can't get the projects or the, you know, whatever you're doing, the programming, whatever it is that you're in charge of. You just can't get it done in a day's time or even within the time that it needs to be done in. You just don't have enough time in your day and you just feel like you're kind of failing at this, right? Yeah. How do you resolve it? So let's look at it from two standpoints. Let's look at it first from if you're the employee who's dealing with us. Okay. And then if you're the employer, how to help your employees. I like that. Yeah. So if you're an employee, the first thing I have is to listen, become a master prioritizer. Ooh, I, I'll let you finish that, but I got so much to add on to this. <coughs> I absolutely think you should because I got this, so is, much. <laughs> this is something that I, um, I, I have recently become good at, um, I'm not amazing at, and it's something I've had to learn. Um, and to be honest, I went from a role where I was primarily working alone. I mean, I had a big team. I was working with you within your team really, but I was really working by myself. And so I just kind of set my own deadlines and I did my own projects and I produced what I needed to produce and everybody was happy. But now I'm working with a very close knit team and we're all working on the same types of projects. And so I had to adjust how I prioritize. I can't just, I can't prioritize my own projects anymore. Right. And that's hard. (laughs) Right. But I can prioritize my own deadlines within those projects. Right. Right. For when they're due. So I'm getting better at that using calendar blocking. Mm -hmm. Um, I mix up my tools. I can't just use calendars. I have to use to-do lists and be able to check them off and reprioritize my to-do list every day, um, depending on what comes up. So what are some tips you have on becoming a master prioritizer? Well, first, before I share tips, I guess I'll air um, dirty laundry. So, (laughs) hey, this is our podcast. Mm -hmm. So right now, and, and my boss, they know this. So if you're listening Hopefully it's just a reminder. You're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you said that. (laughs) Um, Like I got really, really good at prioritizing Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I'm a process person. Oh, my gosh. So I like to prioritize. I like to know what's important. Yeah. Um, I I used to use the I I still do use the analogy like you're just like if you're a juggler and you're juggling balls Mm -hmm. and you got a couple of wooden ones in there, some metal ones, and then you got a couple of glass ones. Mm -hmm. Like while you're juggling, like if a wooden one falls and hit the floor, like it'll more than likely be okay. If a metal one falls and hit the floor, like it'll be okay. But if a glass one falls and hit the floor, no, like it's going to shatter. So while you're juggling, you're prioritizing, you got to make sure that you keep those glass ones in the rotation so that they don't fall and hit the floor. Right. Gotcha. So that's the that's an analogy that I, you know, I have used and I like to use. Um, here's what I found out with my bosses and um, with all due respect to my bosses. I hope y'all hear me and take some feedback. <laughs> Their priorities don't always align with my priorities. Yeah, I think that's but, true. For a but lot here's of the thing. Mm-hmm. I never know that it's a priority to them until it's too late. I think that's also true for a lot of people. 
And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, so now what I've learned to do, what I had to work on because I'm a prioritizer yeah. and I know what's a priority to me and I know what I'm working on. If my boss now gives me something and I just did this the other day um, and they're like, hey, can you look into this or, you know, can you give me some feedback on this? I always follow up. Is this a priority for you? Yeah, I think that's And smart. when do you need mm-hmm. a response by? And I always try to put a time frame on it so that I can let them know how I see it as a priority to me. And then they can tell me, no, it needs to be a higher priority for you. Yeah. Um, so now I'm kind of learning when they, they use the term managing up. Mm-hmm. Like I'm learning how to find out what's a priority for my boss mm-hmm. and my bosses to make sure that it falls in line with what's a priority to me because they may throw a ball in there while I'm juggling and to them it may be glass but I may catch it and to me it may be it may look like wood yeah you know or maybe metal and I'm yeah. like okay cool if this one hits the floor it's oh, okay well, yeah. I can pick it back up yeah. yeah and then next thing you know somebody's coming out to my office I got a phone call or I got a text you got more glass and you know and I got more glass <laughs> so as far as becoming a master prioritizer and calendar blocking and all those things, I think that is great. And I think that if you have um, bosses like mine that, you know, are figuring out how to communicate that with you, mm-hmm. it's good to also make sure that you're communicating it back to them when a task um, or project is given to you. I love that you said that because you are definitely not the only person who deals with that. I think right. that anybody who has a, especially if you are, a mid-level manager right? where you already have a lot on your plate. Yeah. And so it's, it can be hard to shift priorities at at a moment's notice, but you're also reporting to people who may be getting, I mean, you report to people who are administrative level, right? but they're also probably getting things directed from above them. Right. And they're immediate. And this happened. I feel like there's more grace in the educational world. Right. I feel like if you are in like a, business or business? finance Mm-mm. or you better turn that around the minute they ask yeah you know and so i think that's good i think managing up is a great principle right email i, I love this i'm just reiterating it because i think this is brilliant just you know email call however communicate back to your supervisor when is the deadline yep what is your priority number on this when should I make this a priority? And maybe if you need to, you say, Hey, here are the other two projects I'm working on that we discussed. And so within these, which one needs to fall? Yep. You know, yep. Brilliant. And that's what I do. I, 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 I am learning to do this better and and I'm hoping that it'll get to the point to where they're like, okay, Daryl's going to ask me this. Let me just provide all of this up front and Hey, I need this by Friday or Hey, I need you to focus on this a little bit. Next Friday is when I need it by, but you know, I want you to think about it and start to, you know, put some work towards it and share where you are in the process. Like those are the things that I'm hoping that will start to come with it. I don't get it like that. It's like, Hey, and then in my mind, I'm like, well, this, what I'm working on is very important. This is a priority to me. You ask for this. I feel like this is a priority, Mm -hmm. but you know what they need may take precedence over that. Um, So that's something that I'm learning to work on for myself, prioritizing what I think is important. Oh, that's easy. Calendar (laughs) blocking. Oh, that's easy. I got that. Uh, but it's just when you're getting projects and assignments and tasks from above and then it's just kind of like here and I'm just like, 
okay. And then I let three days go by, and then they're like, hey, I need the numbers, or I need this information, or I need this. Where is it? Uh, I'm like, hey, oh. give me a deadline. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this was a this was a wooden ball for me. Like, this is a glass ball for you? You know what I mean? The yeah. wooden ball, like, it's on the ground. It's next to me, but it's on the ground. You know? You Have lucky, picked it up yet? You're lucky that it wasn't a metal one, because it would have hit the ground and rolled off, and I would have had to go chase it down. You know what I mean? You're lucky what the metal ball is a wooden one You're that so it just right. stopped. Um, no, but that's what I had to share. That's what I wanted to share. So. I like that. What's next? Um, so another tip to help kind of resolve this heavy workload issue is to build relationships and allyships with peers in similar roles. And what Harvard Business Review article said is people often underestimate this in the fact that if you are able to build those relationships with other people and those allyships, then you have peers who can kind of help you understand like this is how we prioritize, especially within this organization. Right. Here's what's worked and here's what's not. And this this might be a better skill or a better solution for somebody who is coming into the organization a little bit newer, a little bit more fresh. Right. But it's still not a bad thing to have because no. if anything, you have that camaraderie. I agree. I think that's very important. And I think it matters, especially when you're talking about the allyship, because um, when those priorities come to you or you have something, the more people that can provide help, insight, support is going to definitely help you accomplish what you need to. Um, So that's always important, like across the board, even if it's not directly related to you, just having um, an extra set of eyes, ears, because I know with you, you like my ally, because if I got to type something up or like write something, I shoot Mm. over to you. I'm like, hey, check that real quick, you know, because I know what your skill set is and then you come right back. Make um, sure it don't sound crazy. <laughs> yep. That is pretty much it. That happens sometimes. <laughs> yep. But no, it definitely is important. And I do have some other allies, you yeah. know, within um, where we work at our organization. So, yeah, I do think that's smart. And I think that's, um, well, actually, this is kind of a spillover into tips for employers. But if you're an employee and you know where your resources are and you know where your help is, making friends with those people and allyships with them. Like, for instance, I had data that I could not figure out. I was trying to do a new formula in Excel and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. And I have an ally who has nothing to do with my office, but he knows Excel very well. Shot it to him two seconds later because he's usually in his office. Got it back and it saved me probably two days of trying to figure out what was wrong with my formula. Oh, in my previous role, you know, that's what I used to do because I used to purchase, you mm-hmm. know, hundreds of thousand dollars worth of, of equipment and going through that um, procurement process. Mm-hmm. You got to build, you got to build allyships. What? <laughs> when we up against deadlines and we got to get approvals hey, from budget office. upper administrators <laughs> and it has to go through certain, you know, protocols. Mm-hmm. Man, I had so many allies. I'm like, hey, a call over here, a call over there, boom, taken care of. Done. Man, you I'm telling you it helps. <laughs> yes, it does. Here's a here's a nugget for you. When you're building those allyships though, actually like invest in the relationship. Don't yeah, just always call on them like when you need something, be like, Oh hey, ally, I need you to help me. Like one thing that I made sure that I did was let them know that I appreciated the relationship that we had. Yeah. And not just when I needed something from them. And I would send them goodies and I would just pop in. They'd be like, oh, I didn't know you had something out. What you need? I'm like, all I need to do is just say hey to you today. That's it. I'm out. That's smart. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. and let them know that you value the relationship. And it's not just any time that you need something. That was a little nugget I wanted to drop on you because I tell you what, as an ally myself, uh, 
sometimes we just get tired of when we always just call on for help. And you don't that's call true. on us just to say, hey, what's up? Yeah. All and right. if you are the person that's an ally, you also have a heavy workload probably. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the other one that I want to talk about, if you're an employee, if you really need to resolve this, first of all, make sure that you understand your role and the expectations of you and your role. Make sure you're not you know, doing too much. Um, then if you understand that and you understand the organizational culture, well, I think that you need to go have a talk with your supervisor. Yeah, I really do. I think that that can help and just, you know, tell them like, look, I'm trying to meet deadlines. I feel like I'm not meeting deadlines. I just need some help. That's what they should be there for. Yeah. Should be. There. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that. And when I was looking at this, um, I think the most valuable information in this whole thing that we're talking about, if you're an employee is knowing and understanding your role well, Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time, any, when we have heavy workloads, it's self-inflicted Yeah, because we don't understand or know our role. And sometimes we need to, you know, internally, if somebody else won't tell you, like, go sit down somewhere, (laughs) like, yeah, you doing all this stuff and your workload heavy because it's self-inflicted because you're putting all this extra stuff on you. And sometimes I know you may feel like you have to impress somebody or show your your worth or build this, you know, sometimes you just need to sit down somewhere and it's self-inflicted. So making sure that you know and understand what your role is, I think is a very key component as an employee overall. I feel like you should start there um, because a lot of times you're doing a lot of things that you probably don't really have to Mm -hmm. or that there are other people there to support you with. But for whatever personal agenda that you have, you're putting yourself in a position to where you're weighing yourself down. Yeah. And I think it's smart to tell entry level employees this, especially if you're if they're it's the first time they're full time entry level employees. They're really excited about their job and they really want to build their resume. Right. They want to get as much on there as they can. They want to do as much as they can. They want to prove their worth. Right. But, and I think you have been the one to say this often, if you are not taking care of your home front, is that what you say? Take care of home first. Take care of home first. Right. And if you're not doing that in a quality fashion or a quality way, then it's going to show in your work. So then you might be, you know, highfalutin in all these committees or like different projects or, you know, outside commitments and everybody's like, Oh, we love them so much. Yeah. But your in your direct supervisor might be like, well, that's great, but I can't get them to do work for me that I hired them for. Yep. And then when the, um, employer like come and talk to them, they're like, Oh my gosh, my workload is so heavy. I got so much going on. Right. And you're like, mm. I'm like, get off all 12 of them committees. <laughs> Like, stop volunteering over here. Stop volunteering over there. Yep. Like, stop working for that department and our department. Yeah. You know, Um. but yeah. I think that's essential to say because you might be entry level and be like, well, I'm impressing everybody, including my supervisor. Yeah. But the reality is you might be temporarily impressing people outside of where you work or outside of like your department or area, functional area. But your supervisor can see it and you are not fooling them. Yep. And they're probably not impressed with you if you're not doing your actual job. I agree. And that's why I said you got to understand and know mm-hmm. your position, your role. Know your role. You know, so. Mm-hmm. All right. What else you got? So if you're an employer. Okay. How can you support employees who feel like their workload is too heavy? 
Woo. Yeah. I, I definitely think that there are a couple of ways, but um, I'm glad you asked me that question because one of the things that both you and I, we actually teach this class, mm-hmm. leadership and well-being, and it's something that, you know, I advocate for and I push and you do the same, but um, making sure like that you're encouraging your people to take care of themselves so that they can lead and take care of, you know, what they're supposed to at work. Yeah. Um, I think that they go hand in hand yep. and you have to provide support for that. Um, and when we teach in our class, you know, there are multiple components to leadership and well-being. So that's how to lead and how to be well. So if you're yeah. not taking care of yourself and you're not well, your leadership is probably going to be suffering as well. Yeah. Um, so by also supporting and encouraging your team to do the same thing, taking care of themselves while they're leading, even if it's not a group, they're leading projects, they're leading tasks that they're getting the best out of that because they're taking care of themselves and they're well. Um, it's, I think, very important. If I had to pick one to, like, kick it off, um, you know, I believe in that. You know, we could talk about that yeah. all night. But yeah. I feel like for starters, we definitely have to um, share that one as a kickoff. And I think it's smart to understand, I mean, not only what you're talking about and support them, you know, just being humans, that might mean exploring flex time. Mm -hmm. It might mean, I mean, understanding your role. I think, you know, one of the things I'm very, again, privileged with right now is that we understand and my supervisor especially understands that we are non-essential. And what that might mean is that we are still getting our work done, but you know, she doesn't have a mentality of like your butt needs to be in the seat. Like you don't have to be here as long as you're getting your projects done, their quality. Like, yes, there needs to be FaceTime, but there's some flexibility in the way that we are able to work. And that's amazing because it just helps with overall mental well-being. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of the things when you're saying that that popped into my mind, I definitely encourage you before you start to make any um, decisions or or ma- making recommendations to people definitely check in with your hr department yes right for sure now agree that, with that. that's my disclaimer check with your hr department to make sure that <laughs> these things are feasible for you um within your organization um so since we're using us as, as an example yeah there were a lot of times where some people um including myself didn't know what those guidelines were and we thought that they were something that they were not yeah and what we would do is we would say, oh, no, I don't think that HR will approve that. I think that's against policies or whatever. Right. And then when we actually talked to HR, which both you and I have done. Right. What we found out was there was a lot of flexibility. And HR said, you yeah. have the discretionary yeah. to decide on what you want and not what you want to allow and not allow this yep. person to do. They said the only thing you have to do is make sure that they were showing it and it was represented. Yeah. And the form of a timesheet yeah you know so where people like you said were like oh i'm sorry i can't leave my office it's against hr policies right that's what my boss told me that's what they said i'm sorry i'm about to ruin it for a lot of bosses out here (laughs) if you work at our organization but that is not the fact right the bosses have the privilege to do that and provide the flexibility so when you said you get up and go take 15 minute walks because your boss permits that that is a right from hr right that is given and flexibility that your boss is provided on your behalf. If your boss says, no, you can't take those 15 minutes, don't you turn around and say that's HR because that's not HR. That's yep. your boss who does not value that. Oh, I'm about to open up a can of worms yeah. right now. Now, while while Daryl's on his soapbox, I do want to remind the listeners we are not talking from employee standpoint. Yeah, we're talking, we're talking to the employers. Yeah, employer. If you're a supervisor and if your employees yes. are coming to you and saying like, 
I need a little more flex time. Think about being a little more open-minded if your HR policies allow you to be and find out what those are. I can't tell you how many... There's been situations where some supervisors have not understood HR policy. Right. And instead of going to HR or saying to the employee, let me figure that out, let me find out what we can do, they're just... Shut it down. Shut it down. Yep, shut it down. And I just don't think that's a good move. Now, if you are one of those supervisors who's like, I prefer to be authoritarian and a dictator, well, then that's within your right. And that's what your employees get. But if you're not like that and you're just too scared to go to HR, I encourage you to go to HR. Yeah, but definitely we're talking about workload. So if you are a boss who's like that and we're talking about the employer, one of the things that we're recommending is that you do support them and you take into consideration their well-being and that's holistically so if they need to go for a 15 minute walk and it's within your hr you know guidelines to allow that or permit that at least consider it because the productivity that you're get on the other side is going to be well worth it i'm sure oh for sure you know because you can deny them that 15 minute walk or whatever time frame it is and then they're going to sit there because they can't function and they're going to waste those 15 minutes anyways. That's right. So why not? Or let, get on Facebook. Or get on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's something to consider. Yeah. I All agree. right. Um, the next tip is, and we talked about this a little bit from an employee standpoint, but as an employer, I think it's important to recognize when your employee is going over and above and not just let them do it. So make sure they understand their role and the expectations that you have for them to complete their role and that they aren't being too extra. Yeah. You know, and allow them if they're a good employee and they deliver you quality work, allow them to go outside of that, you know, of their job role and do extra things. If they're not completing their work and the expectations that you have set up, don't allow them to go outside and do extra things, you know? Absolutely. I I think that's. I'm, I don't I don't want to like down talk anyone, but like that's common sense. Right. And but it's like hard. You said, People don't like confrontation. Take care of home first. That's yeah. what I tell everybody on my team. Yeah. I'm like, look, if you take care of home first, I support you in all of your endeavors outside yeah. of home. But if you ain't taking care of home first, you better get back here. Don't take it personal. But no, I'm not approving this. And if you go out to do it, I'm not going to support you on it if it comes back. Yeah. Like pl- it's plain and simple. Cut and dry take care of home first and we know what those expectations are at home yep so that's what i always say i think you're right i think it's cut and dry i think the next thing is actually we talked a little bit about this too but help your employee if they come to you and they're like my workload is so heavy help them come up with creative solutions like are there projects are there pieces of projects maybe that they can outsource yeah. You know, and, and if that's if that's true, if you do you have the resources to spend on that? If not, are there places they can outsource where they have allyships or colleagues that can do it for them or help them through it? Absolutely. One of the things and you make fun of me about this. I'll, that's why I say, give me the cow. That's true. <laughs> give me the cow. <laughs> Your cow. I you know. know, the moo moo. The moo moo cow. Give me the, the chart of work. Yep. For chart me. Of, let's chart C yeah. of O work. Yeah. W yeah. cow. Yeah. Cow. Yes. Moo moo. Took me a while. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cow, so I'm moo. like, give me the cow. Like when you're talking about, you know, helping them prioritize and, and doing different things like that as an employer, like I would request those things just so that it would help them basically yeah. what you just explained. So I would find different ways um, yeah. to get them to think 
as me, the employer, like get them to think like, okay, let me make sure that I got these things aligned. I've done these things and it puts them in position so that when it comes down to it, their workload won't be as heavy. And also the cow helps you delegate things and help you assign things and also look into your allies and how they can support you. Yep. But sometimes you don't know it until you, you know, put it in the cow. (laughs) Give me the cow. You were so crazy with your cow. No. But I think that's important. And I think that honestly, the last point that I would even say, which is not on here, but I would say as an employer, just make sure that, I mean, if you honestly, we said earlier, if you feel like you want to be authoritarian and you want to be a dictator, we don't really have a lot of advice for you because that's not who we're talking to. But for the people who want to be true, good leaders of people, right? I think just make sure they know that you are on their side. You care about them. And so even if they're, if you have an employee that seems like they're not doing their best work for you, find out what it is. Find out if there's something at home in their home life. Find out if there's they just can't create the balance between work and home. Find out if they're just so overscheduled at work for whatever reason. Maybe you have piled on too many projects and right. you need to help them through that. Maybe they're not fulfilling their primary. They're not taking care of home first. Right. They haven't fulfilled their primary job role and they're going outside to try to build. And so... Whatever the situation is, as the leader and as their supervisor and their employer, it's up to you to help them figure out how to remedy that. Absolutely. And to be open enough to do it. If you want to be a true leader, like don't just jump down their throat when they get in your office, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So anything else you want to add on? No, I feel like that was good. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap us up, I think that we heard what those percentages were in the beginning. Yeah. And we know that they're about 30 years off the mark and they probably are a lot higher. So the fact that we know that um, and we have this research to tell us things, I think our job is to take it upon ourselves and take the responsibility to try to get those back down because there are a lot of people out here that are stressing on their jobs. Mm -hmm. They are stressing about job security and they feel like they have so much work and they have to work so hard, um, which I do believe in hard work. But um, I think some of the recommendations, suggestions that we've given um, will help you to identify like the workload. Yeah. Making sure that the workload is not too heavy, which makes people feel all of those ways that you talked about. Like, yeah. you know, they they want to quit and they're not enjoying themselves because I feel like if you're working somewhere and, and it's um, a career for you, like I feel like you should enjoy yeah what you're doing or Definitely. you should enjoy where you are i'm sorry let me say you should enjoy where you are yeah and you should be able to go there and um look at it as an opportunity to gain experiences not go there and dread it because your workload is too heavy yeah so if you are an employee or an employer um definitely apply some of those strategies and let's hopefully um find a way to meet in the middle and if you're an employee um you know you find a way to lessen your workload I mean, if you're an employer, you find a way to help them lessen their workload because um, as an employer myself, I feel like that's what we're there for, to provide support. Absolutely. So. I agree. Anything else? That's it. All right. Until the next time. Bye. Peace. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on any podcast platform and make sure that you rate us. Also, we do have a YouTube channel if you prefer to watch our antics, and we also provide closed captioning. And if you want to know more about us, go check us out on our website at successinblackandwhite.com, or you can reach out to us directly on social media. 
My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all platforms. And mine is April Dawn Lovett on all platforms.